I'm breathing deeply as I dive into this final episode of what I'm calling the first season of this podcast. And you know, I'd hoped to have this episode served up way before now, but life had other plans. Hello everyone, it's Shara Carruthers here, and you are listening to the Live Like You Love Yourself podcast. The truth is, the reality of the last few months is still sinking in. You know, there's a there's a part of me that wants to cling to everything that Maria and I did as a team, to hoard and to savor all of our beautiful connections, to sustain me through the long tunnel of grief and healing. And at the same time, all of that is being countered by my continued desire to share Maria's brilliance as far and wide as possible. So it's been something of a tug of war over here. And as anyone who's ever tried to hold on to something too tightly knows, letting go is often the most generous thing there is. And so I'm excited to be sharing this final conversation with you. You know, I really loved re-listening and reliving it. It was recorded at the very beginning of our friendship. And so I actually learned new things from listening to it years later as a different person in a different relationship with Maria. You know, it's a topic that the two of us continued to be curious about well after this chat. And this first dive into the work of discovering and articulating our own thoughts and our own positions on this subject was totally priceless. And like so many others, you know, it is chock full of Maria's deep and beautiful wisdom and the insights that she earned from a life so beautifully lived. But before we jump into it, and for those of you who never listened to the outros, I just want to let you know that this podcast will continue. I'm currently working on the next iteration of this offering, which I'm calling season two for now. And my hope is to continue to create conversations that touch your hearts and minds by making you think and feel. And my plan is to share what I'm learning along this crazy journey called life and to connect with other kindred spirits as well for chats about how what we study and practice and teach informs, inspires, and infuses our lives with compassion, with deeper awareness, with ease, and with joy. So consider this an open invitation to rejoin me when I hit the airwaves again. And make sure to stay connected to be notified when season two is ready for prime time. But for now, please enjoy this conversation that Maria and I had about what it means and looks like to find yourself. Hi there, it's Shara Carruthers, and I am here with Maria Kirsten, and we are really excited to be talking again today with you uh, about something that uh, we both talked about and we both thought ha- is definitely worth talking about, in part because it's an experience that we've both had in our lives, and it's something that we've potentially that we've seen people struggle with themselves and we thought, you know, let's talk this out. Let's talk this out. So what am I talking about? 
Well, I think out in the space, you know, for a very long time, for at least as long as I can remember, there's this, there are these big ideas about self-discovery. There's these big ideas about self-inquiry. And so what we really want to talk about today is this idea of finding yourself. Um, what is it? What, what is it all about? Where does it, maybe where, even where does it come from? Where does it get you to? Um, and what does it mean in practical terms, right? What does it, what does it look like to find yourself? And so we thought it might make sense to start at the very beginning because each of us have had kind of different experiences with this, which I think is, I think is actually interesting to highlight and talk a little bit, a little bit about. So Maria, I would love for you to like dive in and kind of give us a sense for, I don't know, tell, like just, I don't know, a sense for when this started to become a question for you or when this was something you started to how recognize or myself? How, yeah, exactly. How did you find yourself? It's, it's a just, work in progress. Yeah, yeah. But it is interesting because it's it is something that we've thought about. Yeah. And I, I was trying to think of when you first begin to try to find yourself. Mm. And it's definitely when life becomes a little bit uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So for some people that's earlier than others, but yeah. for most of us it's in their teenage years mm. when when we all feel sort of tragically different and isolated and like nobody understands us. Yeah. And it's also the role of the teenager in society is to question the status quo, yeah. turn it on its head, and come up with something new. Yeah. And you need often that first trying to find yourself is actually defining yourself as to what you're not. Mm. I am not my mother. Mm. I am not my father. Mm. I'm not that teacher. But then another part of it, and it can happen at the same time if you're lucky, or something comes along that you go. I want that. Yeah. I want to be that. Yeah. I want to be like her mm. or like him. And if you can have like a role model, and it's often a teacher. Yeah. It's often someone who's not your parents. It can be an auntie or an uncle, someone who's outside of that direct circle, mm -hmm. but who in some way sets an example. And in a way, that's that first spark of listening to yourself mm -hmm. and having a kind of intuition for. That's me. That's yeah. my direction. That's what I want. Yeah. Like that point when at some point, and as you mentioned before, it kind of happens for maybe even at different ages yeah. for everybody, but there's always this point where you have to differentiate yourself, whether it's consciously or subconsciously from your, from your parents or from your, from the environment that you've kind of been in a little That's bit. Right. The dominant culture. Yeah. Even if your parents are freaks and yeah. they're not in with the dominant culture, yeah. then you've got it. Then you're really caught between. But yeah. but I agree. There's this like, wait a second. Yeah. Am I just going to follow the cookie cutter path? Yeah. School, whatever it is, job, marriage, death. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. Or whatever that is. Am I going to repeat the pattern or am I going to make it my own? Yeah. And sometimes we do repeat the pattern. But because we chose to repeat the pattern. Yeah. So it's like you, you can grow up in a beautiful place, but you've got to move away and find out how beautiful it is before you move back. Yeah. If you stay, it just doesn't work. Mm. So it's the hero's journey in mm -hmm. a way. You've got to, mm, you've got to move true. away and be uncomfortable <clears throat> and do some searching yeah. and do some self-inquiry. And, and nothing really makes you do that like being uncomfortable. Mm. And so for you, yeah. how is this... You know, how, how has this question lived in your life? You know, how have you, how have you lived it, this idea? Yeah. 
I think a part of it was um, the example of teachers at school at, yeah. when I was at boarding school. I really loved kind of who they were yeah. and, how, and how they lived their life and how they conducted conversations. And yeah. that was inspiring. And I chose a few of them, I guess, as role models. Yeah. And then there, there's always been a process of like, what's the meaning of life? Mm. I mean, even as a child, yeah. even as like a nine or 10 year old with my stepbrother, I remember looking at the sky and going, you know, we're so small and it's so big and yeah. what's it all mean? That's amazing to me. <laughs> Profound. Well being. and truly amazing. But I, I never felt quite with the status quo. I think I was uncomfortable <laughs> earlier than others, maybe. Mm. And, and theological questions interested me, even yeah. though I have never really worried about God that much. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of knew that it wasn't going to be as simple as uh, here's your personal savior right. done. Yeah. So I, I was going to have to take a much harder road than that. Yeah. And, and I think there was a lot of spiritual inquiry. Uh, I went to uni at a Catholic university and there was a lot of theology there. It took a lot of theology. Yeah. And I liked that in the intellect. But nothing ever gave me a chance to explore who I was physically as a being I think mm. it was asking kind of stoned profound questions yeah that's really different to what we're trying to nail down now yeah which is well what does that look like you know yeah. how do you proceed with an inquiry like that and how do you make that happen in your life yeah and maybe the beginning of finding out that was yoga yeah at least it was the beginning of sensing who I am as an organism yeah and what does that mean and as a sensory kind of moving organism yeah Huh. But it was never into. And then I, I remember traveling. One more thing where I can think, okay, I was okay. consciously finding myself is um, I took a, not a gap year because it was after, but I finished up uni and then went for traveling for a year through uh -huh. Asia. You know, you're going from bookstore. There's no internet. There's nothing to do on your phone. So it was bookstore to bookstore, secondhand bookstore. And we re you know read everything from the Tao of physics to autobiography of a yogi. So there were there was all of that kind of inquiry, yeah. Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance. And it was fascinating to me, journaling away yeah. and in a way trying on who am I going to be and what are my values. Mm. And that's sort of more the acquiring who I want to be rather than who I don't want to be. Mm -hmm. And that was fairly conscious exploration in a kind of zone where I didn't have to apply it at all, yeah. traveling and moving along. Yeah. Best kind in some ways. Well, it, it was, it's a really, it's a real privilege to yeah. have chances like that. I yeah. think going to ashrams or going to retreats, yeah. uh, whether they're a yoga retreat or a meditation retreat, gives you a chance to completely disconnect you from everything that defines you. Yeah. So, you know, when you're traveling, you've got to tell people who you are over and over mm -hmm. again. They're like, so, you know, who are you? And you have to sort of give them a little bit of a spiel on your story. Yeah. And maybe there's that witness mind yeah. that sits apart and goes, look at you, telling this story. <laughs> Is that who you think you are now? There's a kind of, and a chance to, in a way, redefine yourself and rewrite a story mm, for you, choose yeah. the parts of the story. So that, that was an interesting process, I think, as you do it. And you are, in a way, telling yourself who you are yeah. and what you choose. Yeah. Gosh, that's really interesting. Like, I can, I can recognize myself and experience in some of the things that you're talking yeah, about. So what about your experience? But Where I do you think, think you started. <laughs> like honestly, I think subconsciously I would have started this back, you know, from the time like we were talking about from when I was a younger when I, it was time for me to leave the home and I left yeah. home at 17 to go to university. 
Um, that was the point at which all of the touch points or all of the um, the structure, the the I don't know the 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 rules um, that had existed to keep me contained, right. <laughs> for lack and of defined. a better term, sure. yeah, and defined, fell away. Mm. All of them. Mm. You know, you went. I, there were maybe a couple of people from my high school that went to the same university. It was such a big university. I didn't. I didn't see them alone. So there was no one to connect with. It was like. And so again, that question comes up, you're meeting people again and again, That's right. who are you, you know, or what's your, you know, what are you about kind what's of thing? What's your thing? Yeah, yeah, what's your thing? Yeah. And as well as that, I think there's a degree of freedom. There was definitely a degree of freedom in that for me in terms of even the simple things like the clothes I wore and the, you know, the, I don't know, the, the things that I chose to do, the activities and things that I chose to do, it was really all up to me at that point. And so in as much as I wasn't asking myself the question in an existential um, context, you know, who, who are you? You know, when I'm on Melrose shopping through the, you know, secondhand clothing line or clothing, you know, stuff, um, there was a part of me that was exploring that question. Um, you know, who, who really, you know, what's, what looks good? What do you, what, what feels good to you? What makes sense? Um, what do I want to project to the world? Yeah, That's yeah, right. kind of just you know, very, very unconscious. But, but yeah, you know, how do I want to express myself? Um, but diving kind of deeper, diving into that in a more conscious way, mm. um, really, well, I was going to say, really didn't, really didn't come until yoga. But then I just thought about how when I left the corporate world, because again, again, the corporate world was a whole nother set of structures and. It was a whole other outfit. By the rules. Yeah, yeah, it was a whole other thing that you outfit that you just wore, mm -hmm. you know, and that kind of defined you. Mm -hmm. When I left it, I remember having a bit of an existential crisis at that point because the question really became, who who are you if you're not that. this? Uh -huh. Who are you if you're not, you know, a project manager? Blah 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 whatever. You know, really, like who? You know, and I remember even asking myself the like thinking through. I don't remember talking it out talking it out loud to myself, but I remember thinking through like, what if you go to a party and people ask you like, what do you do? Who? What, you well, know, that's a, that's what definitely you, a thing. In yeah. fact, up here on the far north coast, it's kind of yeah. rude to ask people what they do. Oh, I didn't know well, that. Thanks for telling. Not really, but I <laughs> often will ask it in a kind of occupational. You know, what do you like to do? Yeah. Or um, how do you occupy yourself a lot? Or yeah. Try and do it as opposed to. What is your job? Yeah. Occupational therapy understands occupation more as, as the things that are meaningful and valuable to you that mm -hmm. you do rather yeah. than necessarily your job. It's interesting because it's what people are asked. Yeah. It's probably the second question you're asked after Totally. You and really, it's almost, if you think about it, it's almost a kind way of saying, who are you? Yeah. Even though it's not. In other words, like even though I had to kind of come to the understanding, mm -hmm. and it was painful to be honest, um, that I am not my job <laughs> and I'm not, you know, all these other things that I had kind of associated myself um, or I had defined myself by. And I had, st I had started yoga at that time. But again, and this is what I love is because we'll definitely be doing more talks about yoga, um, you know, the kind of the ins and outs of yoga. But it is very possible to show up on your mat without, you know, without um, thinking. Yeah, yeah. You know, without without awareness as we know it, mm. you know? 
with the awareness that I'm here and that's it. And I'm, and I'm, and maybe the awareness that I'm moving and, or the awareness that this feels okay, or, you know, I'm, I'm working on my abs or whatever that but is. Not, and that I'm exploring yeah, consciousness. Not that deeper no. awareness. No. And so I think that that was perhaps, you know, where it started for me that, you know, in that it, yoga started. Mm. Um, but then of course, as you dive in, if you stay, if you stay, you'll, you'll get a little bit deeper. Yeah. And then, you know, to now, I think I'm asking myself that question every single well, I was day. Gonna say, how yeah. would you now define yourself if I met you in Sachara? Who are you? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And it's so funny because it doesn't just immediately come. And part of the reason why I think for me is because it changes. True. It changes. And so in some ways, you know, if I'm if I'm really being honest, I'm answering in the moment. I'm, you know, I'm answering, you know, and, and I'm saying, you know, I, I'm, I'm a mom. Yeah. Even though that doesn't define me, um, I'm, you know, I'm tired. I'm, <laughs> I'm frazzled at the moment. I'm delighted to be here. I'm, you know, I'm a sun lover, etc., etc. Yeah. All of these things, yeah. you know, and yeah, I, I, I don't. In some ways, I, I. I can imagine being able to nail down who you are in some in some um, what feels like a conscious and certain way, giving you a, a degree of comfort. Mm. But I would never want to do that, you know. Yeah, I like what you said, and it made me think like an occupational therapist for a mm. second because it's when you interview someone, you actually ask them what their roles are. They often will answer. Yeah. And in a way, we hark back. So I might say, I'm also a mom, yeah. and I'm a yoga teacher, and a, maybe a yoga therapist or a teacher trainer or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but I'm also a swimmer. Yeah. And I'm also uh, a reader, and um, I'm trying to be a meditator. Yeah. And in a way, those are those activities we were talking about where you went to the secondhand store and chose your clothes. Yeah. Are your activities intentional and chosen? Yeah. Or are they kind of a default? I like shopping. Yeah. Because the society tells me that I like, I'm a girl, so yeah. I like shopping. Yeah. I'm a boy, so I like, I don't know what boys are supposed to be doing, <laughs> but I hate the girls who are supposed to like shopping. Yeah. So do, or have you been handed a default? Mm. Or have you selected for yourself, because I suppose you express yourself through your actions, yeah. through your words and through your actions, through how, what you do with your time. Yeah. Wow. Where you place your attention, I suppose, is what it is. Yeah. Your intention and your attention. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I'm starting to, like, I always start to build, I start to build, like, castles in my mind yeah. as I'm hearing things. And, yeah. Okay, so what I'm hearing, just in terms of the process of finding yourself, is that there's... There's a degree, there's a degree of awareness there, yeah. obviously, yeah. but also that the process itself is a it it maybe it starts with um, peeling away what you're not. It does. You know, for me, there was definitely that. At first, it was peeling. You know, it was peeling away or having having my safety and my high school experience and my parents and everything else kind of peeled away for me far enough away that I didn't have to identify with them anymore. Mm. Um, and then, you know, obviously years later, it was that whole role that I was playing, having that peeled away and then, you know, leaving some nebulous thing there that I had to kind of um, 
That's making me so <laughs> excited, know, though, because in yeah. a way that is the yogic process. Yes. I mean, if you think what you would do with me for an Ayurvedic consultation yeah. is you would probably tell me some of the things I could peel away. Absolutely. There's often an excess yep. of something, and, and sim- you get benefits simply by eliminating that yeah. which is over, you know, what you're carrying. Yeah. But that process of peeling away is a, is a yogic process. You're not gaining things. I mean, you may be gaining poses, but once you start to sit and, and reflect or explore, yeah. you are kind of boiling yourself down to your consciousness yeah. and, and you're aware, you're, you gain a perspective on that by peeling away or yeah. by looking from different perspectives. But it isn't by adding things. Yeah, no. You're kind of coming down to who you were by stripping off all that stuff. I mean, it's a beautiful yogic definition. Yeah. But I think some it 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 shows how unless you have some kind of roadmap or guidance, you can think it is in your shopping choices mm-hmm. and in your just in your activity choices, mm. and you sort of have this suite of purchases that you've made yeah. that define you. Yeah. And I think that that's a big mistake. You see that sort of on I don't know where Instagram or some of those places. That, yeah. That's me. Yeah. And that's a mistake, I think. Yeah. It's not satisfying, and it won't ever get get you in touch with who you are. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That uh, to me, like, uh, what's come to me? I'm like, uh, uh, yeah. What's come to me is you're right. Like, what we do as a society, as a culture, as individuals, is we feel like once I have the house, and once I have the car, and that's once right. I have the vacations, like, there's this thinking that I am going to be defined by my stuff. And by all the things that I have, and yet nothing could be farther from the truth. In really. fact, it actually clutters the whole system up. Yeah. And really, that simple life. I yeah. mean, at the moment, Marie Kondo is all the rage. Oh, man, isn't she? Every that's bursting wonderful. And I know. It is, but it's lovely that that's yeah. where people have just gone, what is all this stuff? Yeah. Because I think the last 20 years has been about stuff. Yep. Uh, making things less expensive so yeah. that everybody can have a washing machine is fantastic, yeah. but we glut ourselves with that stuff. And yeah. there is the idea that you choose off this menu as to who you are. So mm. what brand of yoga clothing do you wear? Right. And what kind of mat do you have? Yeah. What kind of water bottle? And having a baby is the same thing. Getting married is the same thing. Yep. Choose from the menu. Yeah. And none of it essentially satisfies you, and it, it will clog you up. Whereas mm. that principle of, uh, you know, so there's the yogic framework is mm. that principle of, purity yeah which is in a way being just able to see what you have yeah. and keep it really simple that simple life yeah which is about discriminating choices who you hang out with who you, what you eat what you choose to wear what yeah. you do yeah as opposed to just taking everything in as it comes and is presented to you so my question then is why do we do this in other words um well, two, there, there's a two part here. One is, why is it that you think, why do you think, because I'm interested in hearing your point of view about mm. this, why do you think that we we seek to find ourselves consciously, subconsciously, whatever it is, um, by gathering more things around us? And then what does it take to understand that that's not, that's not it? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean... I, maybe it is that at that first stage of our life, we do put on the costume from yeah. the secondhand store and we do project that identity. And that feels good. You know, yeah. you look back at those stages and you're like, ha, oh, look at that. 
so maybe it's acquiring your own stuff and there are things in my house which I love mm. and they tell me a story about where mm. I was or what I did when yeah. I look around I mean I didn't just go buy everything at Kmart in one hit yeah know? we've we didn't we didn't operate that way so there's sort of a story for a lot of the things yeah I recently I got, I got really sick and I was just sort of lying there kind of with pneumonia just thinking I was going to die you know, yeah. that kind of melodramatic yeah but you think someone is going to have to clean up all my stuff when I'm gone right and I thought okay that's it and I resurrected and just got rid of so much stuff in that kind of does it give you a spark but yeah. also does this still resonate with me and who I am mm. so that might have been a thing that told me a story yeah do I need the thing to, to have the story yeah to have the reminder yeah or can I has it done its job? Yeah. And I think sometimes it's sort of for security. Like yeah. a child holds its little bear. Yeah. And then one day the bear isn't necessary. Yeah. You've oh. got all of that yourself. Yeah. And you can go out. Yeah. Make, it, make it into the world. I love that. Oh, my goodness. Mm. And that's just such a beautiful endorsement for the Marie Kondo thing as well. Only mm. because um, we're not saying get rid of all your stuff. Like, get rid of everything. And then you'll find yourself. No. But there's more. It's it's having some some perspective or some connection to the things that you do have, and having them for the right reason. And I love that. Like I, honestly, I haven't thought. But that's <laughs> thought about it in that way. Too, is, is yeah. Like, definitely. Does this stuff? Am I going to give it attention? Yeah. Does the attention I'm giving it match my intention and how I want to live and yeah. or am I or am I sifting through all of this stuff in my wardrobe to find the t-shirt I wear over and over and over again yeah I mean if we really all of us are the same I think there's probably three outfits you cycle through they go yeah. in the wash every time yeah true it's just why not just have those three outfits yeah I love this take on it though because I can I like the condo thing of you know does it spark joy? Yeah. But I can imagine there's things that I need that don't spark joy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Well, is it a tool or is it, yeah, it doesn't always spark joy. And yeah. kind of what does that mean? That yeah. always sounds like a psychic thing. Like yeah. trust your gut sometimes. Yeah. And if you can't, if your gut's not saying yeah. anything. But is it something that is distracting you or filling up space? Or is it something that is feels essential? Yeah. Like it's ser that's serving yeah. you in some way. And in way. a way that connects you to your, your intention or to what you want to do. Because yeah. if it's serving you, serving you to do what? Yeah. Like what are you doing? Yeah. And in a way, who are you doing that thing? So what are you trying to do with your life? Yeah. That's a big question. Isn't it? It's a really mean question to ask people in their early 20s. And Isn't stuff, it? But I know, because it's kind of overwhelming. But yeah. it's so satisfying once you find a little mission. Yeah. And it doesn't really matter what it is. There's no wrong roads. Yeah. I know that's a bit of a if stereotype. If you take the judgment or, the, or, or yeah. any level of criticism out of it, it's very... Um, uh, it, it's a, it's a, it can be an inspiring question, really, yeah. you know? Yeah, and it's a growing thing. If yeah. you choose to do something, especially if you're young, you choose to do something and it doesn't, it's not the right path, yeah. I promise you you'll use it later, some of those lessons. Yeah, yeah. for sure. But it's, it, I, it comes down to, I guess, intentional living, yeah. and that's as opposed to habitual living, being handed the stuff that you were advertised yeah. or the stuff that, Everyone says you have to have. We've all got Nike Freeze, so why don't you have Nike Freeze? Yeah. There's a huge amount of us being lemmings. You're going, going off yeah, the cliff? That's true. Oh, exactly. Can I join you? Yeah, that's right. And you have to really stop yourself. Yeah. That's a very powerful, um, they've done lots of research on mm. it, that if everyone's going that way, it's it's so difficult yeah. to go the other way. Oh, gosh, that totally reminds Have you seen that Darren Brown um, special about the can, he, can you, the push? 
can you um he 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 we won't talk much about it but can he he tried to he orchestrated this group of people using these same kind of our our physiology our psychology wondered the question was can i get someone else to commit murder right and you know using the power of crowds basically yeah. i won't say any more about it but it was no, very it's, powerful it's interesting. and there's a lot of research and a lot of yeah. I mean, that's right i mean nazi germany didn't happen without that power of crowds there you go yeah and people will walk by other people if, yeah. if there's power of crowds and people will actually they did something in a doctor's office where everyone's waiting and then everyone in the doctor's office stood up yeah and and they didn't really know why they were standing up like there was every the actors stand up. Yeah. And then this person who's sitting thinks, what are they doing? And stands up as yeah, well. Yeah, like oh, maybe I should be. Yeah. So we have an, a huge part of that. Yeah. And it's going, wait, what are we up to? Yeah. And if you think about that, when we put it in the context of Nazi Germany or something, mm. the people who go, wait, the emperor has no clothes. Mm. You know, can we call this for a second? Yeah. Are the people that we really depend on to you know, to lead us out of the woods. Yes. And they have to be listening to something. They have to yeah. know themselves yeah. and know know that they can't live with this behavior. Yeah. Regardless if they're going off the cliff with everybody else, or they, they have to, they know they can't live with it. So yeah. there's some sense of self-connection or yeah. deep connection. But there's also something else, and this is a perfect, this brings me per right back to the, the, the next, or the, the um, second part of that question. I think about that person who stands up and who says no, even, however quietly, as having like a little degree of courage, you know, or perhaps a huge degree, like you were saying. Yeah, and it feels in many ways like this conscious search for yourself requires some real courage it does in the kind of Brené Brown vulnerability yeah. sense of the word I mean being yeah. vulnerable is being courageous but being vulnerable is connecting to yourself and what you want and going I really can't live if I'm not connected to it yeah that's what makes us depressed yeah I think a lot of people are going through the motions and then they wake up one day and they just go what on earth is going on yeah so it's courageous but in a way, it's authentic. It's, yeah. it's And it's saying, it's knowing enough and connecting enough and then just saying, I have to do this. Yeah. And it is courageous to go, but it's um, it's vulnerable and it's inspiring. We yeah. like it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we see this in yoga all the time, right? Yeah. We see this in class. You know, you you give someone the freedom yeah. to, to find their expression of the pose, to breathe in the way that feels the best for them. And... You see, you see people, some people going, maybe, yeah, uh, and then eventually, you know, they might see somebody else doing their thing and they think, okay, yeah. I'll take a step. And you get, you know, the process that's going on within them. You can, because you felt it yourself, you know, that I know I'm connected to what feels right for me. That's I haven't, I know what it is, yeah. but... So how do you find that? I mean, in a way, that is finding yourself. And yeah. I love what you're saying because I often you get someone new to your class and new to, new to yoga, new to your class, new to a teacher is new. Yeah. And you see people and you know how their eyes are like wide open, like yeah. a horse kind of, you know, they're rolling around. And then eventually you see them just sort of, oh. yeah. and they are modifying and choosing and just 
feeling it. Yeah. And then they wake up and they're like, oh, sorry, did you get onto the next one? Yeah, thing? exactly. But that's just, yes, yeah. as a yoga teacher that's, that's just it. going, you, I've done what I need to do. Yeah. Your trikonasana is awful. doesn't matter. Yeah. You are so feeling into how your legs are connecting to the floor, how yeah. you're breathing, how you're, and that, that experience, being given permission to do that. Yeah. And then experiencing it builds the trust that gives you the courage. So there's a degree of self-efficacy because yeah. I think a lot of us come in even to a yoga class even as an experienced yogi yeah. and we surrender our free will at the door yep and a lot of us it's my way or the highway yep. I'm the teacher yep. you know and I can ask people to do almost anatomically impossible things yeah. and they'll do it yeah and they'll breathe through the pain yeah instead of going you know what I really don't like this yeah or I need to rest yep. or I that's the capacity we're cultivating yep and in a huge way, that's finding yourself. I mean, I think, um, well, I think that's where we started with the question is yeah. that we're both passionate about not just offering an asana class. Yeah. And we both teach drop in, you know, rock along anytime, yeah. no reservations class. So you got to take what you can get. How can you offer that connection in that, in that environment? Yeah. It's, it's from our conversations before what I, what we're both after. Yeah, for sure. Because... I see this as, um, which is, and I love it. Well, I love the way that you talk about this because I'm right in step with it. I'm right. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with this. And I, but I know that there are teachers that don't have that same th feeling, don't have that I same thinking. I don't think thinking. they understand it themselves yet. Perhaps. And, and I remember in a previous conversation, you were talking about, do we need to be given permission? Yeah, that's right. And from who? Is yeah. it from who, I guess is what it is. But yeah. um, yes. Yeah. I think, and, and and it connects to talking about teacher training, which I think at one point we want to talk about, but yeah. can you cut right to the chase of teaching people to roll around on the floor creatively? I think you can in dance. Yeah. But even in dance, there's technique. Yeah. So it isn't all expressionist. Mm. There are techniques that you use. Yeah. And so in yoga, there's this repertoire of poses. Yeah. You know, there's one called Trikonasana, one called Pashmottanasana, and it looks like this. Yeah. But... There are compensations and there are variations and there's all kinds of ways you can make it your own. But you got to know what we're talking about in the first place yeah. and what the intention of it is. So that's sort of layer one. Mm. And I think some teachers stay there. Mm. Yeah, you're right. And uh, but what I was and one of the things that I was thinking <coughs> about, me. no worries, was how and I've always seen this. As our yoga class, our yoga mat even, is this microcosm of the macrocosm. Mm -hmm. And in the same way that we show up, like you were saying, kind of ready to hand our free will or whatever it is, you know, over at the door. That's what we do when we get out of bed. The second your foot touches the floor, you kind of, you know? Yeah, okay, yeah. That's so right. We, yeah, we give ourselves over. And and so what we're what in my mind, at least, I feel like I'm trying to do um, in class is to give people a safe space to model the behavior, the thinking, the feeling that they really need out in the real world, not on the mat. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I love that you say making a safe space because yeah. that's so the yoga of teaching older people and of teaching for mental health. Yeah. Is the safety to be who you are. Yeah. And this feeling that you can flub it up or just, just ha how many people say to you, oh, I've got something and I'll just, I'll just do what I need to do. Yeah. And you go, oh, good. I can trust you with your own body. That's yeah. excellent. 
but they they've given themselves an excuse to do just that yeah. to listen to themselves yeah but it's almost like they need to sort of say sorry yeah that surprises me sometimes every yeah and you're like no no no, fantastic Thank that you. gives you an understand a little bit of an understanding of where they've come from too mm-hmm. you know and that safe space is so important because I think for some people, a yoga class is the first authentic experience they may have had, mm-hmm. where they're they're really asked to listen to themselves and feel their organism mm. and respond attentively to that. And it's really difficult to have that series of epiphanies or awakenings and then just walk cold and dead back out, out into the into the world. Isn't it? Something sticks, doesn't Something it? Something sticks. Yeah. And I see people change. I just had a conversation this morning with a guy who said, you know, it's really, it's, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight years that he's been coming. And yeah. he's like, oh, there's some, there's something to it. Yeah. He said, it is really, I'm feeling it in the way that it, I, I can calm myself down. Yeah. So yes, in his body, but much more in his mind yeah. and in his sense of confidence of moving in the world and yeah. of making choices. And that takes a while. I don't think it's something you can get on the first day. Yeah. Oh, it's I a love that thing. you brought this up too, because to me, there's a lot of people out there who talk about um, yoga as, you know, who, who talk very condescendingly about yoga, um, certain styles of yoga, you know, that's fitness, that's not yoga, or that's whatever, that's not yoga. Um, And what I I really hold is that everyone's path is their own. And I love that that you've you've highlighted this because if people stay, and it's going to only be something that they enjoy or that makes them feel a certain way. Maybe they feel yeah. stronger or maybe they feel like they got a good workout or whatever it is that is going to keep them coming back. If they stay, they will get what they're meant to get from it, no matter whether there's incense and chanting being done in the room or whether it's being done on the gym floor. Um, and I really just... I. That's my maybe, belief. Maybe. Oh, I, yeah. I totally okay. agree with you. Yeah. I defend the door. I almost like there's a door next to McDonald's that you walk in for yoga. You know, there's got to be yeah. those doors because otherwise no one will come. Yeah. But then it depends on who the two's teaching it a little yeah. bit. So maybe yeah. the market says you need to teach, I don't know, Vinyasa Flow, Hot Bikram. You, you name Whatever. it. We can all. But. But the teacher can hint at things. Yeah. So if you're hard and fast and kind of that kind of teacher, yeah. where it's boot camp, no pay, no gain, yeah. I don't know whether people will will do that. I don't know if a teacher can transmit just yeah. by yoga alone. Right. I don't know if a teacher can transmit what they haven't experienced themselves. Yeah, you're, you're right there. You definitely actually. But if they have, yeah. and even if they're teaching to the market, yeah. but they have some experience of self-inquiry and of... Just the experience of, of having more confidence and self-efficacy and feeling like, okay, I know myself. They will transmit it yeah. and they will it will start to leak through. Mm. And there are opportunities. You know, you yeah. have teaching moments even in a hard, fast class. Yeah. Less in a hard, fast class, but that's not <laughs> my style. Yeah. But I, it also never suited me ever. So yeah. I always put that. It never was a good thing for me because I'm too uncoordinated and weak and hypermobile. So I was bad at it. Yeah. Maybe that's why I didn't like it. But definitely slow meditative yoga has all of the benefits 
that everyone says yoga is amazing for yeah and mental health benefits and things like that yeah because it is safe and yeah. it gives people some time to organize mm. and some time to sense yeah whereas if you're calling out the next pose next pose next pose yeah it's very difficult to create opportunities for interoceptive awareness yeah. for that looking in and calibrating and responding that's you know that's really interesting because i i think about my experience mm. and all i ever did was that kind of yoga for a really long time right i mean you said you fell in love with ashtanga and yeah. argentina yeah okay so what was happening in there because you were having an experience yeah. that was worthwhile and felt connected yeah and i i'm this is what i'm wondering now you know just just coming back to our original question of yeah. finding yourself yeah. like what you know, I believe very much that we are this relationship, you know, we're a relationship between what's going on inside of us and what's going on outside of yeah. us. And so what degree to what degree does what's going on outside of us play a role in our willingness, our curiosity to dive in or even to play a facilitating role in our ability to find ourselves? Because the yeah, the yoga that I did for so, so long was, you know, even in in Argentina, and that was a couple of years, that was the yoga that really um, changed it all for me, you know. Well, you spoke um, about it being fluid and dance-like. Yeah, there was a feeling. That was but it. See, if there was a feeling, yeah. then you were connecting with an expressiveness. Yeah. You weren't just chungering through the motions. And right. so you had a sense of competency. So maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Maybe that sense of competency and that sense of being able to do the pose and being strong enough and whatever. Yeah. If you don't get hurt. Yeah. But... but um, you, it's just on a physical level of really building building that strength and also that awareness of where you are in space. Yeah. It's proprioceptive. It's, it's, it's working with your organism, yeah. which if you deny the organism, it's very difficult. It's your receiving, it's your unit, yeah. how you sense things and how you move in the world. So embodying it by whatever process I suppose has to be good. Yeah. I mean, if you're not on the sofa and you're out doing something. Yeah. But you know, yeah, to your point though, to your earlier point, if I, you know, I've taken tap dancing classes too and I've taken jazz classes and various other dance classes. Was there a difference? Definitely in that. um, Well, yes and no. In other Mm -hmm. words, um, there was still this gorgeous feeling of freedom and whatever, but there wasn't the same context. There wasn't the, do you know what I mean? There wasn't the same context there. What was the context? And so the context was, well, the context within yoga was that there's some spiritual aspect to it. And even if from the moment you stepped in the room, even if you're not that spiritual person, um, um, and even if the environment itself isn't spiritual, like there was none of the classes that I ever went to, there was, you know, incense and, Mm. and chanting. There wasn't any of that. We might have done Om a couple times or whatever, but there was almost an open invitation to tune into how you feel about the situation or how you feel about it, as opposed to... Um, so with the tap dancing class... The tap dancing was just about feeling good on your feet, you know, and feeling like you had some balance and, right. and you know, and the, and the endorphins that come from, you know, so moving around So that's so interesting because say you never mention anything about the spiritual side of yoga. Yeah. You never mention a single other limb than the asana practice. Yeah. How is tap dancing different to asana, different to Pilates? Yeah. Is it breathing? I don't is know. Is it that you're that we're thinking about moving with breath? Because yeah. you don't really hear people talking about... Because I'd love to pull it apart. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, what is the difference between tap dancing and yoga? Yeah. And maybe it is 
it is, even if people don't teach breathing so much, you yeah. can't do it well without breath. Yeah. So you start, even if you're not explicitly taught it, to yeah. start to tune into the fact that I'm forward bending much better when I'm breathing out. Yeah. And I'm coming up into the world when I'm breathing in. Yeah. Maybe, because that is really the link into your mind and into... It's, it's bridging the body and the mind. Mm. And it's creating that presence yeah. in a way that you don't when you're just panting away doing your tap, tap dancing. dancing. Yeah. We'll, ha we'll definitely have to dive into this mm. one very... And I think we'll end up coming back to the, the same point in a lot yeah. of conversations because, you know, that feels very much like the um, why are we here question yeah. within yoga, if you know what I mean. Yes. Like what, what are we teaching? What, makes what are we this, doing? <laughs> what, what differentiates this? What makes this different to yeah. tap dancing, yeah. you know? Yeah. But when you... When you when I'm, I'm really... I guess I'm trying, I mean, for us, the context for finding yourself in, in our lives has, yoga has provided a container in it many has. ways. A, a framework, I like to see it. Yeah. It's, I love the eight limbs for yeah. structuring. It's just such an amazing roadmap yeah. to say, this is how your yamas is how you live in the world yeah. and how you can work with other people and be harmonious and peaceful and kind of relaxed. Yeah. And then, then your niyamas are how you, how you conduct yourself with some discriminating choices, a sense of contentment without just grasping away. Yeah. With that self-reflection, with that discipline, mm -hmm. and then some degree, and maybe that's what you were talking about, is that mm -hmm. surrender to mm -hmm. something, mm -hmm. that commitment to something mm -hmm. that feels a little bigger than yourself, yeah. or. You know, you don't, I don't know if you want to use the G word, but it, there's some kind of, I mean, that's not what I, my feeling for it, but yeah. there is a surrender. I feel like holding my hands up and kind of being the cosmic <laughs> funnel and going, yes, yeah. let me drink it in. Yeah. So, so those ingredients ready you mm. to then move your body. And once the organism is ready, yeah. then to breathe and to start to really hone your attention in yeah. to less and less in a way yeah i mean that as you get more and more mature in your practice you have to get quieter and quieter yeah. and stiller and stiller yeah and, and that, in a way peel away exactly way spoke about i was going to say that speaks yeah. to that whole idea of peeling things back mm. and so okay so if we think a little bit about it this idea like if we look at our both of our experiences and you know what we know from even being witness to other people in this process mm. of finding themselves I see just a few things and I'd love it if you, if you know if you've kind of gleaned some other things to, to throw those in mm. I see just a couple of things that are um, perhaps I don't necessarily want to say necessary because that that sounds like it's being very exclusive, but what or this prescriptive, is, yeah, yeah. But what I'm seeing as common um, are awareness. Mm. So some degree of awareness, some, um, and perhaps that awareness is really maybe it's just about a feeling in yourself, mm. or it's about some oh, noticing. Interoceptive awareness yeah. is. Uh, what a lot of people kind of don't have, they sort of yeah. numbly walk through the world and yeah. they sleep at some time that's ascribed to them. Yeah. They eat at meal times or too much or too little. There isn't kind of a checking within. Mm -hmm. I mean, the same 
vagal pathways you use to check if your bladder is full and your bowel is full or you're, you're hungry or hot are the same ones where you're checking if you're comfortable in a, in a yoga pose. You know that, yeah. am I grounded, am I secure, am I moving as an organism? I think that interoceptive awareness is important and it yoga is so cool in that it directs you in and then you're back out with the teacher and then back in. Yeah. So you have to modulate that internal, external. I think that's a key ingredient. Yeah. yeah. And so, okay, so, and so you're saying we all have that capacity. Most of us have that capacity. Trauma is something that shuts down that capacity. Yeah. And I also think civilization shuts down that capacity. Hmm. So you take your, I mean, if you think about your children, yeah. or children the world over, yeah. they run around in preschool, they get covered in paint, and then they go to school, and they need to sit down and be quiet and yeah. stay still for a lot of the year. And they have to learn to sit in horrible plastic chairs and yeah. kind of, in a way, how can you do that without numbing off something? Hmm. And a lot of kids can't, so they have ADHD and they're right. doing some drugs. But but they to do it for them. No, that's right. Yeah. I mean, that really, that's right. There's Ugh. a guy who's written about chairs yeah. and how you know how those stackable chairs in schools yeah. are backward sloping. Yeah, well, that's terrible. That takes you right out of your lower back. Right. And don't sit back on your chair. You know how kids yeah. are. They because they want their curve in a natural curve. <laughs> so and then they're just like this by yeah. year six or whatever it is. So I think that, and how do you do an office job without yeah. becoming a bit numb? So yeah. yes, I think everyone has the capacity, but I also think we have disciplined ourselves out of sensing. Right. Oh. And I think yoga is like, oh my gosh, this feels so good. You right. know how people go, I don't know why I didn't do this more often. Yeah. This feels wonderful. Yeah. There's an awakening there, isn't there? <laughs> I think there's a pleasure. Yeah. And I think that's yoga that leads you in is is pleasure, yeah. not pain. Mm-hmm. Mm. Anyway, I sidetracked that with no, my chairs. No, 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 that's really good. No, that, I think everybody has that capacity, but I think trauma and over dis, over society, over civilization will numb it. Yeah, and we often need to denumb ourselves. Yeah, I love that you mentioned the chairs because it, to me there are so many little tiny influences that we have no idea about and then this totally speaks to and I'll, we, yeah. I'll get off of this in a sec but yeah. this totally speaks to um what i often say about ayurveda is that it it wants us to understand that anything that we come into contact with can support or sabotage our wellness yeah. the chair the clothes we're wearing all of these things and so it, it there is something mm -hmm. to even just knowing um you know, the chair you sit in may actually impact your ability to find yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Okay, so the next thing I've got think it got here is just permission. Yeah. And that's something that we talked about, whether that is initially permission being given by someone, um, you know, a teacher or a you know, a, I don't know, a mental health professional or a friend or someone to kind of be yourself, to kind of take that step off of the well-worn path. Um, I think there's always got to be, regardless of anybody or anything outside that gives you permission, you know, whether it's walking in the woods in some ways kind of gives you permission. I often say being a foreigner mm. in a foreign yes. place, there's an unspoken um, permission to Kind of do whatever the hell you want. I could, uh, yes, as to, to North Americans yeah, in an Australian context. Yeah, because yeah. there's no there's no expectation from anyone here that I'm going to follow the same rules that not not laws but rules of decorum or society laws. or whatever. Yeah. yeah, 
that everyone else who grew up here does. So there's a level of freedom there. And and that's what I mean by kind of the unspoken permission. And that permission, I think, is really important because we're all taught as yoga teachers to say, now, in the spiel at the beginning of class, <laughs> listen to your body. Yeah. But do you mean that? Or, as a teacher, is that the last it's ever mentioned? Yeah. And then it's like, come on, you know, yeah. like a coach, do one more. Yeah. Instead of saying, I'm about to give you three options, mm. wait a second and feel what you want to do. Yeah. You know, what's your instinct? Rest? Yeah. Stay where you are? Yeah. Or lift a hand and three feet and two legs off the floor? Yeah. Do you know, do, where do you want to go? Yeah. But that, that sense of, wait a second, check in. Yeah. And so it's permission, huh. yes, to check in with yourself, to refuse, yeah. to say, you know what, I'm done. I want to lie down, I want to rest, or I want to change it. Yeah. And people have to really mean it. And I, I sometimes think teachers have good intentions. Yeah. But then they get alarmed because they don't know what to do, what to do, or how what to the offer broke the options. Student. <laughs> yeah. Well, they don't know the how broke. to offer the choices that yeah. they probably should to be able to offer those experiences. Yeah. Or they become alarmed if people are doing something different because it feels like they've lost control a little bit. Yeah. And that's that's it's okay, but yeah. you have to just sort of settle into that. Yeah. So I think permission is really important. Yeah. And to mean it. Yeah. And when you offer a choice, it is not a better choice or a worse choice. Yeah. It is a choice based on the person's perception of themselves and permission to do really what they want. Yeah. Oh, that's so good to to kind of dive into what permission actually yeah. <laughs> actually kind of needs to look like for it to be real you know yeah because there's a lot of false permission yeah where there's there. like oh we've well, got two options like the nerds can do legs up the wall <laughs> yeah, exactly. the nerds and the menstruating ladies can do legs <laughs> up the wall and the rest of us will go over here and do handstands and it's like exactly. i want to be with them you know exactly as opposed to you know do yeah. you need to do something more dangerous and more exciting mm. or are you satisfied would you just like to lie down and, yeah you know chill yeah, yeah. oh gosh yeah. i love that so so okay so we talked about awareness talked about permission yeah um the next thing I, I thought about or I've gleaned from our conversation is some safe space. And I, I think that kind of goes along with permission, Well, the perhaps. safety is the courage. I yeah. think the safe space makes it not such a, a leap off a cliff to listen yeah. to yourself. So yeah. what we're trying to do is go, and that's where being yoga being weird is useful. Yeah. Because yoga is like, oh, you take your shoes off. And people are like, really? So you take your shoes off, you lie <laughs> on the floor. So already we're doing something different yeah. to our Western society. So, so a lot of that we're in a foreign land. Yeah. And then without those normal regulations, people are like, oh, so as long as we could keep it safe mm-hmm. by genuinely offering choices, not kind of veiling those choices, yeah. then people can be courageous yeah. because it doesn't matter. They can choose to lift a leg yeah. off the floor and go boom, back yeah. down to the floor. Who cares? Yeah. You know, go good for you for giving it a go. Yep. Good for you for going. No, I need blocks when I lunge. I don't need yeah. and knowing it, but you have to you have to try stuff, yeah. which takes courage. And in a safe place and with permission, you can be courageous. So okay, so I'm thinking here, like, because I'm trying to get a, my a, my own head around. Permission is one thing, and safe space isn't is is kind of another, is it? Like, is it possible to have permission but not have the space feel safe? Like we're, we're talking, and I'm talking about inside the studio, off at a, you know, on the mat, off the mat. Like I'm just trying to, if is there a need to? 
clarify. I think the level of courage that you show. Yeah. So people say, be yourself. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, some people, you don't even need permission, really. Yeah. You can just do it. And you, I think you do. always need permission for yourself, from for yourself, yourself at least. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But it takes much more courage in a not safe place to yeah. step out. Yeah. You know, and I think of I think of those athletes we talked in about the guys who held up the glove in yeah. 1968, was yeah, it? Yeah, 1968. Yeah. To be black and to raise your fist yeah. in the Olympics was tremendously courageous, yeah. and it wasn't safe. Yeah, you're and right. Nobody gave them permission. You're right. And they paid. Yeah. You know, now we think they're amazing, but yeah. they did pay for those choices. Yeah. So, uh, I think. I don't know. Yeah. I think I think if you are in touch with yourself enough yeah. and what you require to live peacefully, yeah. then and you're and you have the courage to to live by that. Yeah. But yeah, no, I don't know if you always have permission or safety. But I think as a yoga teacher, yeah, I it's essential. Yeah. And I think you can permission and safety therefore should go completely together. Yeah. Because. If you mean it, you do create a safe place, and you yeah. create a place where you don't you're not attached to what anyone does. Yeah, and you're you're more pleased with their choice that they made a choice. Yeah, and their connection with themselves than you are caring about what choice they actually made. Yeah, that's so irrelevant. Yeah. it's just like good for you. You chose to relax. Now. Yeah, well done. Yeah, yeah. And so you have totally touched on what kind of overlies all of this. Mm. And that's that courage. Like that is required no matter what, I think. No matter what your, you know, what, how easy or difficult finding yourself may be for you, you know? Um, engaging in, consciously engaging in any part of this process that we've talked about um, requires, I think it requires some degree, maybe it's a little bit, you know, some days, maybe it's a whole hell of a lot other days. And it feels like it kind of, you know, for lack of a better word, trumps the all a lot of the other things because if you can kind of summons up or find that courage, mm. um, it means like you said, you know, permission, well, you know, you maybe safeness, well, you know, mm. I don't know. Um It does but, take courage. Yeah. It'd be so interesting to have this conversation with someone who who's in Japan because mm. our Western obsession is with ourselves as individuals. Yeah. And there isn't so much that question, although there is, but it would be, I I can't speak to it well enough, but it would be so interesting to speak to someone in Japan who they're not always putting their own individuality out there in that same way. But then there are a lot of strictures. It's tremendously courageous to step out. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That'd take a whole lot of courage. And I, th- I mean, we have that in subtle ways, but yeah. we also have in our society the cult of the individual. So we love people who step out. Yeah. Whereas that's not necessarily applauded yeah. in, in a society like that. Yeah. So um, being an individualistic society, there's a courageous thing, but then there's also, we tell a lot of hero stories. Yeah. And we those are the stories we tell about those people who stepped forward or who rose up or who did it. Yeah. So we have examples through stories we have an example of it. It's it, and a kind of we value it. Yeah, and that's kind of it makes it easier. Yeah, it is too. Yeah. It's kind of an unspoken, like it feels in some ways like it's in our DNA. Yeah. You know? Yeah. A little. So. Mm. So if we if we, what does that mean 
for you and I and anyone who's listening who is finding themselves? Like, what does that mean in practice and in daily life? Like, how are you stepping out there? And is it, does it feel like an act of courage for you now? I, so I think at this age where yeah. we're nearly 50, both yeah. of us, <laughs> maybe one side or the other. Yeah. Uh, is it still courageous or have you kind of blown through that wall and it's a different act now? It's courageous every single day, every moment of every day, because I feel like, and I get every single person is different, obviously. Um, but in some ways, I feel like we are who we are is it is each individually a very, very deep, deep well. Mm. And there there's this i think there's this courage that is required to to you know maybe dive that little bit deeper mm. um you know because you can there are things that i'm doing and choosing right now at 49 you know months away from 50 that um that i could would never could never couldn't even see a decade ago yeah and so i could say right that's it i found myself done um yeah. and yet I know there's more, you know, I know there's more, there's, there's, um, you know, who, who I am here in this place requires a whole nother, um, engagement and a whole nother degree of commitment to find. And I think, yeah. And so, yeah, I think that courage is, if that's something that I can cultivate, and it's really interesting that we've come to that because that wasn't anything that I was necessarily thinking at the outside of this conversation. But for me, that's something that I am trying to to cultivate every day, every new year. I've written it. I've written in various other yeah. places around the place and whatever. There's another part of it though that makes me while you were thinking of it because yeah. we're both kind of doing the same thing. We're yeah. kind of seeking and trying to get our work out there, but yeah. also teaching at home and raising families and just trying to be a sane human being. Yeah. And there's a little bit to have that courage. You've got to kind of cognitive behaviorally therapize yourself yeah. by talking yourself through it when you feel the self-doubt stuff can be there where you can be like oh come on you know why should you put a video up or yeah. why should you you know it's all been done before yeah. what else do you have to offer you've got yeah. to be like you go girl you yeah do it. exactly but but also i think part of that informs choices yeah but when i think about my practice or also kind of another part of my life because part of it is yes get that out there and another part of it is trying to find real peace and calmness mm -hmm. and a deep sense of relaxation mm. so that I'm not this like little quivering rabbit kind of in yeah. you know my heartbeat just and seeking things that also deeply kind of calm me down mm -hmm. and that that's a resonance with that self that internal self where I have to check with myself and go okay that seems thrilling but also what is just going to feel right and at ease and harmonious yeah. with what I want because it's easy I think if you're someone who you're an international teacher, yeah. la -di da to get to get ahead of yourself on what you want instead yeah. of saying, hmm. wait a second, what nourishes you? Yeah. What what does that what looks good? Because yeah. I back in high school. Yeah. I'm popular. Yeah. You know? And popularity, yeah. sadly, isn't yeah. isn't it. Yeah. Being appreciated, valued, making connections. Yeah. So I think there's courage, but I don't want to be the courageous, lonely person on a hill. Yeah. I want to be connected and and I want to be relaxed mm. and have that sense of ease and of kind of calm, I don't know, calmness and connection. Yeah. 
sort of centeredness. I don't know where finding myself, but it is because I keep having to check with myself and yep. going, do I want this? Yeah. Is this another thing yep. that I'm acquiring because it's being offered to me? Yeah. Which I think a lot of us do is this yep. sort of, have you said no? Just because someone rings you up out of the blue and says, can I have an interview? Are you going to say yes? Yeah. Or... Yeah, does it nourish you yeah. and that you have to keep turning back and in? So it's a process. Yeah. There's sort of no, yeah, there's no done. Yeah, there is no done. And there's something good about that to me. Yeah. And then there's something entirely exhausting about it too. Yeah. Because there's a part of us that feels like, can I just get to it? Can yeah. I just get to me and be there? You know? I once said that to my this dad and it took him five minutes to stop laughing. <laughs> right. I was like, when can you just relax? And he just... <laughs> yeah. I think I think we've talked about this in other conversations yeah. too. But I, my, one of the reasons I love yoga is because it sends you back to the beginning yeah. over and over again. Or me, yeah, yeah for so sure, me. You because as soon as you have some kind of change mm-hmm. or some kind of uh, permission, or you have to let go of some of the stuff that you worked so hard to master. Yes, and then you're like, no, yeah, I, I you know, I, I, yeah, I mastered all that, and now I have to let it go yeah. and really feel. Yeah. So if you're performing this stuff and then someone goes, no, really feel it. You're like, wait a second. I was doing that perfectly. Yeah. And and it's like, that's not the point. Yeah. So, so it's this stage of kind of embodying and of connecting. And so it's not fixed ever. No. And then you have to keep going back to kind of re-get your bearings. You've got to kind of go yama ni yama and then start again. And, yeah. and then really listen to your breath and listen to, you know, watch your mind. Yeah. And do it again. <laughs> exactly. Because each time you grow, each time you meet someone new and have a change, welcome to the beginning. Exactly. It's and that beginner's mind, I think, is is a huge, it's a pain. Yeah. It's a pain in the neck, but it's also a process that's absolutely essential. Yeah. And keeps you alive and present. Otherwise, it's habitual. Yeah. And you lost yourself again. That's it? Mm. Oh, okay. So we're... Uh, there was just one more yeah. thing I really want to, because I really think that we should share with the folks yeah. um, our thoughts about the fruits of this, the gifts wow. of this mm-hmm. process of finding yourself. Like why, what, you know, not to say that we're doing it to get something or to get somewhere, but there's lots of people who kind of give up along the path because we yeah. as we pointed out, it's so easy to do that. Yeah. And so perhaps something to um, give people a look into what could be potentially possible for them if they stayed on it, the path. And so what's your, what's, yeah. Well, I, I have thoughts about the fruits because I, it's funny, now I've been teaching 20 years and practicing, say, 30 years. And it's yeah. like, you really start to feel the deep resonance of it. And it has nothing to do with the poses I'm doing yeah. at all. But it has to do with my mental health mm. and it has to do with my capacity to age and not get kind of grim and depressed about aging yeah. you know you're getting older like when you're young you fall down or you get an injury and you just wait for like i wonder how long it'll take to get better yeah when you get a little bit older you you wonder if it's ever going to go away right. so there can be this fear that rises up yeah and yoga and i mean the big yoga not yeah. just asana the process of that, all of that inquiry that we talked about helps you not panic. Yeah. And you also, after a while, if you've been doing things, simply the physical things, even like how to get up and down off the floor, sit up and down, you know your organism. Mm. And there's a relationship of trust there Mm. that you can rely on and come back to that gives you resources, I think, when the world 
kind of goes to hell. So, I mean, things can happen with yourself or things can happen with other people. If you love anybody, stuff is going to happen. The world itself can politically go to hell in a handbasket. But this sense of, like, I know how to calm down. I know how to get through pain. Mm -hmm. I know how to help myself go to sleep. And I know how to make a courageous decision and not freak out. And those, that is the fruit. And you're using a lot of the processes you use in your asana classes to listen, to respond, and to kind of make choices. Yeah. So, and I, I think the confidence is what you develop over time. Yeah. You start to go, oh no, this is a thing. I've been here with it, no faith before. Yeah. Look, it works. Stick with the program. Yeah. You sometimes have to fall off to come back on and go, oh no, this is stuff that works. Yeah. Ugh. And that is existentially relaxing yeah. so that you don't panic. Yeah. Oh, I hadn't, I was, I hadn't thought about about the answer to this question uh-huh. until listening to you and like really feeling what you, all of the things that you were saying, like really feeling those and how that shows up in my life and, and thinking, oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Like when I think about, um, and I think I've talked about this before about how this, there's this view in Ayurveda that, that illness disease a lot of our suffering is begins in the mind Mm. and it begins in the mind and looks like stress and if you think about the mind and the body kind of being the same thing then whatever you're stressing about whether it's conscious or unconscious stress Mm. whether it's wondering what people think of you or wondering how what how what should I choose or you know how do I feel or you know can, can I make that phone call or can I ask that question all of those are just tiny little micro stressors, stressors on the system. Mm. And so I think that the closer we can get to um, understanding ourselves or finding ourselves, just like you were sort of saying, it gives us access to this degree of um, falsely or false certainty about something. And, and by certainty, I just mean this is who, this is how I am. This is who I am. This is what I feel in the moment. This is, um, and that to me that takes away some of that uncertainty that creates a stress around every little thing that we do. Mm. There's this. It's it gives us the ability to relax, which is what you're saying. Yeah. The ability to let go of some things, and in my mind, the ability to. Um, find some equanimity so understand you know your relationship to things equanimity is such a good word and yeah. the research shows that that you know people who practice yoga in this way yeah are resilient yeah do bounce back to regain their equanimity yeah and then they don't even in anticipation of something coming They've done tests where they told someone they were going to make a big noise or give a hot blast yeah and the yogis could just wait for the blast. Yeah. Whereas they would say, okay, the blast is coming now. And all the non-yogis would, <laughs> yeah, the non-meditators would freak out. Yeah. Whereas the yogi, the, the meditators yeah. just reacted to the blast during the blast and then they calmed right down again. Mm. So they didn't spend any extra resources mm-hmm. on the anticipation of and yeah. then the, wow, that just happened. So, you know, I've talked about my friend Chris Weber who talks about resilience training rather yeah. than fitness training. And I yeah. think... Then maybe that's the difference between tap dancing and yoga, I yeah. suppose, and it depends. But if you're looking at it with that lens of resilience, yeah. you're looking at the whole person of, at connecting with that intuition, with that 
internal self it, rather than and of some stressors yes yeah. you get stronger from stressors sure. but does it make you panic or can you bounce back from yeah. it and then you trust yourself yeah like, I'm good you know I know how to get through this stuff, yeah which is what we're building in our children yeah when they're small you don't say to them like Nemo's dad. <laughs> nothing will ever happen yeah you go stuff will happen but you're gonna be all right you yeah got, you've got the goods to get through this yeah 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 so I think I, I like rapping on that Me because yeah. <laughs> because I feel like that gives that certainly inspires the hell out of me to keep yeah, going. You know? We're just inspiring ourselves. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but it feels it's affirming. Yeah. And I think it's wonderful to it's an interesting process to have a conversation with you. It's why I'm enjoying them yeah. so much because we're taking things that are sort of there all the time yeah. and creating some awareness around them and trying to pull apart what the components are. And it's tremendously exciting. Yeah. And you kind of learn stuff as you as totally. as I have a conversation. So yeah. conversations are wonderful. Yes. Yeah. Have more conversations. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I we 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 both hope that um, that you've enjoyed this one because we definitely have. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, until the next one. And so there you go. Season one is a wrap. And you know, I really can't imagine a better way to finish this first season given the circumstances. I, I felt as though that conversation was full of heart and beautiful insights and that feeling that we started this podcast to create, which was that connection, that curiosity, and that experience of discovery. And so I pretty much said everything I needed to say in the intro. So I'm going to remind you that season two is in the works. And so please make sure to subscribe if you want to be notified when it's ready. And as always, I really do just want to thank you for the beautiful support that you've given to Maria and I over the course of this first season. I cannot tell you how lovely it's been to know that you are out there listening. And I do just want to let you know that we have loved hearing from you, connecting with you, and sharing these moments with you. And so stay tuned. Until the next time, please take care of yourself.